and more Democrats of all stripes are really um, alarmed by the situation, this extreme policies of Israel and the violence of the occupation. Things are happening a lot faster and a lot more strongly at the grassroots activist level of the Democratic Party. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. Oakland, I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. You're listening to the Electronic Intifada podcast. In late May, delegates of the California Democratic Party approved a resolution calling on the U.S. government to work with the United Nations and other international bodies to promote, quote, a just peace based on full equality and security for Israeli Jews and Palestinians alike, human rights and international law. The resolution admonishes Israel's illegal settlement construction as well as its denial of entry practices to activists who criticize the state and decries the historic failures of the U.S. government to back up measured criticism of Israel's occupation, quote, with actual steps to change the status quo and bring about a real peace process. Notably, the California Democratic Party's resolution also, quote, rejects any effort to restrict or discourage open public discourse on issues surrounding Israel and Palestine, disavows conflation of criticism of a country's policies with hatred of its people, but also opposes anti-Semitic or Islamophobic language brought into the debate and opposes any attempt to restrict or penalize those who exercise their right to express their views through nonviolent action to effect change. Joining us to talk about this justice-oriented resolution on Palestine coming out of the mainstream Democratic Party in California are S.D. Chandler and David Mandel. David was one of the primary authors of the resolution, and S.D. is a delegate proxy who supported it. Both are also members of Jewish Voice for Peace. S.D. and David, thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you, Noah, for covering it. Yeah, thanks so much. So uh, I, I had to clean my glasses when I read that this resolution had passed, not in some, you know, human rights oriented activist community space, but in the California Democratic Party, um, which is the country's largest state party chapter. Uh, and it was approved without debate. So it's a bit of a shocker, to say the least, um, when we see how the Democratic Party has aligned, you know, unflinchingly with Israel over the course of decades. Talk about this resolution, how it was conceived, and the significance of it passing. Uh, David, as, as, a, as an author of this resolution, how did it come about? Uh, well, I, I and a couple others talked about it. We tried a similar resolution two years ago that never went anywhere, and we decided to try again. Um, the original resolution we wrote up was actually a little bit stronger. It gave some of the details about the human rights violations that kind of got cut out because some of the people didn't feel comfortable talking about them. But the the essence of it remained, which surprised us as well. Um, it, it, it goes through a process that needs to be... Um, uh, submitted to the res the party resolutions committee with at least 25 signatures a month in advance. We did that, and then we kept organizing basically and got signatures of more than 200 uh, delegates to the convention who supported it. And I think once that um, happened, the people on the resolutions committee saw that if they did not approve it and and uh, prioritize it to bring it to the floor that we would probably have enough signatures to do that ourselves. We would have needed about 300. So, um, you know, instead of having that happen, which would have made a lot, a lot more noise, they decided to um, pass it and bring it to the floor themselves. Now, it was a slightly watered-down version, but 
as you said, the, the essence was still there. Uh, the human rights perspective, it doesn't repeat the, the two states mantra that you so often hear or negotiate, direct negotiations, that kind of stuff. It's based on human rights. And also, really importantly to me, it, it, um, it criticizes any attempt to stifle debate, to, uh, which has been happening all over the country, both in Congress and a lot of states, including California, to try to basically stigmatize and suppress uh, activism for boycotts and divestment that um, that has happened here. That's another whole story, but it was very much with that in mind that we wrote it. So uh, it went to the committee. Um, this compromised version was proposed. We did some very quick hallway negotiation, um, improved it a little bit from, from the compromised version that was proposed, which kind of surprised us because it was you know, way better than we would have expected. Um, that then passed the committee uh, by a large margin. I think there were one or two who didn't vote for it. Maybe SD remembers better than I do. Uh, and then it went to the floor where we expected um, it, it was out of like more than 100 resolutions that were proposed and basically approved by the committee. They only prioritized about 15 that actually go to the floor on a consent calendar, which means they're not even debated unless somebody objects. Now, we fully expected that someone would object, but um, they didn't. So I, I think that the, um, the you know, there's a uh, an outfit called Democrats for Israel. I think they decided that they would prefer that the compromise version pass without debate than actually have a debate, which would have uh, forced people to talk more. Um, so yeah. that that happened the way it happened, but it it was it was okay. And the fact that it passed, we uh, are you know trying to publicize it and encourage um, other activists and others who are also I think fighting for the. Um, who's going to be dominant in the Democratic Party? Is it going to be the progressives or the old-line uh, mainstream corporate Democrats? And uh, this is, I think, one aspect of that larger struggle as well. And w one quick thing I need to add, though, is to, just to, to, to make sure it's clear that you identified us as um, leading leader, JVP leaders in our respective chapters, which is true, but we were not acting on behalf of Jewish Voice for Peace uh, in doing this resolution. It was just, it was uh, us together um, with with other um, progressive activists in the Democratic Party. Thanks for that. Um, and and Esty, what was it like uh, in that room when the when the resolution passed, and and how do you see the significance of it passing? So, I mean, the entire weekend was pretty exciting because uh, not only did I go into the convention believing that we could pass a resolution, I believe that the fact that it didn't get hold on the floor for debate in front of the entire convention shows that the other side believed we could pass it too. I think the predecessor of that was um, last year in the Los Angeles Democratic Party when we had an opportunity to deny the endorsement of the unconstitutional AB 2844, which penalizes BDS activists here in California and we won that vote. I believe it was a final count of 72 to 27. So I fully believed that we had the majority of the um, voting delegates with us. Um, so the entire weekend as we proceeded to every step, every next step was very exciting. Um, ultimately, because of the way that it was passed on the consent calendar, it was an up or down vote on every, every uh resolution that had not been pulled for debate. So it was, you know, not climactic to the 
uh, entire convention, but certainly there was, you know, we were very, very happy and many, many people came over um, to congratulate each other and the large team of people that um, made this happen. I also want to give props to David Mandel's co-writers, Karen Bernal, who's the chair of the um, California Democratic Party's, one of the largest caucuses, the Progressive Caucus, and Murad Sarama, um, who worked with us all weekend. He was the outgoing chair of the state party's Arab American Caucus. Um, so for many, many people there, um, it, it was a, you know, a joyous part of the convention. What kind of influence will this resolution wield over the National Democratic Party platform, which, you know, I'm thinking back to Hillary Clinton's very aggressive, hawkish, extremely right wing pandering to AIPAC uh, during her campaign, but throughout her political career as well. And the fact that most Democrats, uh, mainstream Democrats, um, who, who are elected officials side a thousand percent with Republicans um, when it comes to backing Israel and its ar- and arming its its occupation military. Can you talk about the change that this resolution can or will affect nationwide? Yeah, I mean, opinions are changing uh, among American Jews and others who, until recently, were reticent to. Um, express any serious criticism of Israeli policy. But, you know, what I'm finding as a Democratic activist, that more and more Democrats of all stripes are really um, alarmed by the situation, um, this extreme uh, policies of Israel, um, and the violence of the occupation, and um, especially now with the, the most right-wing government that Israel has ever had in the, the Netanyahu administration. And, you know, our current situation here um, with the Trump administration and um, the virulent um, anti-Palestinian pro-settlement um, ambassador that he's put in place. So I think that there's an old saying in politics, as goes California, so goes the nation. Um, I, I hope that that rings true and that Democrats are looking at this and understanding it. We are certainly using it to show them where the base of the party is. I think that an interesting thing happened um, the, a couple weeks ago with a congressional letter, um, a dear colleague letter in support of the Palestinian human rights activist Issa Amro that had 32, uh, 32 Democrats sign it, um, another two um, progressive Democrats wrote their own letter, and um, in the very last days, several um, con- congressional representatives from California signed it all on the same day, and I have to wonder if this resolution wasn't part of their um, decision-making to sign that letter. Hmm. And David, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think things are changing in the Democratic Party. Uh, at, at the very top, we saw the platform fight where some of the uh, the Bernie Sanders appointees like James um, Zogby and Cornell West did fight for a more progressive position on Palestine uh, last summer at the at the uh, before the convention. They lost out to the hawkish Hillary Clinton forces, but it was visible. It was in the news. It was reported uh, that that that's fairly new for the Democrats. 
And uh, I think things are happening a lot faster and a lot more strongly at the grassroots activist level of the Democratic Party. If people like us um, and others we speak to, as Esty said, I think it would have passed at the California Convention. There was that incident in 2012 at the National Convention where there was uh, an attempt to change the platform to include um, recognition, recognition of undivided Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and it, by voice vote, everybody who watched it on TV said it sounded like the nays a lot more than the yays, but um, the chair uh, at, uh, at the time declared the opposite to be the case, and that was kind of embarrassing, I think, for the um, mainstream hawks in the party. Um, so I, I think things are changing. I, I, I'm sure they are in other states as well. Uh, I think this may help us have an impact uh, on uh, state legislation resolutions that might come up in Sacramento in the in, in next year. There, prob- there wasn't anything this year that we had to fight, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there is next year, and we can point to this resolution to any Democrats in the state legislature saying, hey, the par- this is the position of the party, and you maybe, if, if there's a bad resolution, that would be um, in, in contradiction to it. So I, I think it could be useful on that level as well, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of support in doing that if, we, if it comes to that. We're speaking with S.D. Chandler and David Mandel um, about this uh, resolution that was passed in May by the California Democratic Party. Uh, and, and both of you mentioned something that I want to circle back to. Um, there's a part in the resolution that condemns the free speech uh, uh, repression uh, of activists who ad- advocate for human rights in Palestine. The words boycott, divestment, and sanctions aren't uh, mentioned in the resolution text, but it certainly infers that activists who exercise their rights to express their views through nonviolent action to affect change should be protected. Uh, we're seeing so much repression being waged right now by local, state, and, and federal legislatures. Um, in fact, you know, this week, back, uh, um, The Intercept picked up a story that we reported back in April. Uh, Josh Rubner wrote an article uh, that we published on the Electronic Intifada about the bipartisan effort to criminally prosecute activists who advocate for uh, boycotts of Israel to make BDS activism essentially a felony. Uh, and it turns out that none of the congressional sponsors of this bill has even read the thing. Um, can you talk about the level of repression against Palestine rights advocates and, and through this resolution in this California, in the California Democratic Party, how could and how should the party protect the rights uh, to free speech and boycott organizing? Well, realistically, we have to understand that the, a resolution passed at the convention is not binding. I mean, not even, not even the platform of the Democratic, California Democratic Party is binding on legislators when it comes to voting. Mm-hmm. But we can certainly exert moral pressure on them uh, and uh, organize. As we, we uh, both Esther and I, were involved together with uh, chapters of JVP all over the state and lots of other human rights uh, Palestine support organizations. We had like 100 different organizations who were part of this coalition that fought against the state um, uh, legislation that started out as something that would have um, denied contractual rights, state contracts to any entity that supports uh, boycott of Israel. And that was um, demonstrated to legislators in key committees that that would have been unconstitutional. Unfortunately, similar uh, laws, or even worse ones, have been passed in a number of other states. But in California, uh, eventually a law, a law was passed, but it, it had got rid of the blacklist, it got rid of the um, the bar on contracting for, it did barely mention the word boycott only as an example. It ended up having to pretend to be a, a law about 
uh, discrimination um, in order to pass, and then the proponents of it had to, after that, pretend that it was about BDS in order to um, try to use it as a club against us. Um, but you know, we and Palestine Legal uh, circulated memos assuring students and others that it would not compromise their rights and that they shouldn't be scared of it. And we haven't yet seen it be attempt to be used in any in any real sense. But um, that th- having this resolution, I think, could be helpful. Like I said, in in in, in uh, opposing any such attempt in the future. To, pa- to pass a uh, legislation like that in California, uh, even though it's not binding, and obviously it's not binding on on Democrats in other states, um, but as an example, uh, it certainly could be raised and, and, and used whenever possible, and I would hope that, that people in other states would try to do similar things with their state parties. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, on the federal level, there is this very scary uh, bill that's now that's pending, and I was glad to see the intercept jump in and maybe get more attention to it um, than than was paid, unfortunately, when the Electronic Intifada published Josh's story. Um, because if you read it literally, yeah, it could impose 20 years in prison for somebody who uh, boycotts Israel in response to a call from the United Nations or the European Union. Um, I think that it's, it's still... Any version of that is totally uh, unconstitutional according to our very strong free speech laws, but those are only as strong as people, uh, legis- legislators interpret them to start out with, and then we it may have to end up in court because I don't think it's uh, it's not legal at all. Boycott is a form of political expression. Uh, it's used all the time. The hypocrisy is just breathtaking. Um, when uh, we boycott the, our Congress, sponsors boycotts of other countries. Uh, we now have leaders in the Jewish community saying they're going to boycott Israel because of the uh, discrimination about prayers at the Western Wall in Jerusalem. Um, but somehow, if you boycott for other reasons, that's not them, and, and, and they uh, put pressure on legislators to, to uh, basically violate the Constitution. So you know, the, this resolution will be a small... Uh, uh, arrow in our quiver of, of opposing those kinds of things, but um, hopefully it will lead to examples in other states and 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 help us out in in opposing that kind of suppression of speech. Esti, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I'll just add that there's a case right now here in California where um, San, uh, San Francisco State University and Dr. Rabab Abdulhadi are being sued by. Um, a right-wing Jewish organization uh, called the Lawfare Group, which seeks to use, um, you know, legal cases um, to stop activism and uh, free speech. And uh, again, it's it's another case of this trying to um, depress speech on campuses in the way that they've been doing over and over again um, throughout the years, and even by trying to change the very definition of anti-Semitism to include criticism of Israel so that they can use um, the laws that restrict against, um, you know, using race, religion, or other um, identifying factors to, uh, you know, to to try to um, use those as a a complaint of um, discrimination. Well, finally, um, 
what are the next steps here with with this resolution with uh, trying to you know engage with other chapters uh, of the of the Democratic Party around the country? Um, what are the next steps? Well, we have networks, and so certainly we are talking um, within our networks that you know are um, nationwide about um, the resolution and uh, for other friends in other states who are politically active and. Um, you know, as David said, it would be great to see other states um, try to um, bring up some similar resolutions um, in, in their Democratic parties. Um, I would encourage that. They're welcome to get in touch with us if they want to you know, consult about it and some advice on writing such resolutions or, or organizing for them. Um, there's a way to send a message through a web, little website we created in organizing about this resolution called IsraelPalestineResolution.wordpress.com. Dot com. Uh, people can find us there or through Googling us. I'm sure they could find us as well. Excellent. Uh, S.D. Chandler and David Mandel, thank you so much for all of your work and, uh, and for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you. My for pleasure. Your, Thanks. Great, yes. Thank you for your always great support, uh, reporting, Nora. That's it for the Electronic Intifada podcast. For news, information, cultural features and reviews, and pointed opinion and analysis, visit us online at electronicintifada.net, where you can also post comments and sign up for our daily email digest. Follow us on Twitter at Intifada. Radio stations are free to use this podcast, and if you're listening on iTunes, support the Electronic Intifada podcast by rating it and leaving a review. On behalf of all of us at the Electronic Intifada, Thank you for listening.